0: Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Good morning, 11 a.m. Morning. So good to be with you. Great to have Pastor Faith back. Uh, grab a Bible. Yeah. Grab a Bible, go to the book of James. James chapter 3. Today, we're talking about your potential and purpose. How do you like that? You're like, yes, I want you to talk about me.) <laughs> God has goals for your life. <laughs> God has goals for your life. He has dreams for you. He wants you to be fully alive. How many of you know that? How many of you know that the more you become like Jesus, the more you become your truest version of yourself? Or in the world's language, the best version of yourself. A life hack. That's what we're going to talk about today. That I believe God has in an, um, an undeniable... Purpose and desires you to become fully alive. He wants you to bring about heaven on earth wherever you go. He wants you to become the kind of person that, when prays or asks for things in the name of Jesus, those things are answered with yes and amen. He wants you to become the kind of person that He can trust with the resources of heaven incredible. Now, to be that kind of person that can ask for anything, who's trusted by God for those things, requires a lot of transformation on our part. Would you agree? Amen. Yes. You are designed to be the kind of person that has the reactions and responses of Jesus in any given situation, naturally without having to think about it or look at your wrist and go, WWJD. <laughs> that is what we call Christ-likeness, sanctification, the process of becoming like Jesus. It's called spiritual formation or discipleship. That's what we're after. And if you're like me and you're like, I'm a long ways off from becoming that kind of person, You're in a good place because we all are. But also, you're in a good place because that's why James writes his letter. He gives you a practical guideline, a book, to help you reach your potential as a disciple of Jesus. In his language, the book of James, he uses this this word that you'll see over and over again in this book, uh, complete or mature, or uh, a, a better way to say it is perfect, that his expectation for you as a follower of Jesus is to be perfect, which is his, uh, a better translation for us is mature, whole, congruent, that the goal of your life in Christ is to be congruent, to believe the things you believe about God, about his reality, his kingdom, his heaven on earth, and to live that out in your thoughts and behaviors, your words and your actions. This is the whole book. That there would be congruence, a, uh, uh, there would be, um, shalom, a wholeness. The things that you believe are expressed naturally in your everyday, ordinary life. Doesn't this sound amazing? Like for those of us that struggle, you know, with anything, Siri agrees. Um, to be the kind of person that permeates the presence of God without having to think about it, rather than constantly struggle with your anger, inappropriate anger, wouldn't you want that freedom to not have to worry about the struggle of the addiction you had that you deal with, the, the insecurity you're regularly struggling with, the way you react in anxiety, with anger and rage. Wouldn't it be nice to just naturally flow in the spirit yep. the way Jesus would? Anyone want to say yes to this? I'm just, I'm waiting. <laughs> 9 AM was on fire. I don't want to compare siblings. You know what that does for our psyches down the road? I'll go through therapy. Amen. I love what Dallas Willard says. He's he, listen to this. I want to just, we don't believe something by merely saying we believe it. Or even when we believe that, we believe it. We believe something when we act as if it were true. This whole book of James is about helping you act as if what you believe about Christ is true. So this book wants you to become whole, wants you to become congruent in your faithfulness to Jesus. So it starts, we talked about this, James just jumps in with you, the goal being you becoming your fullest, best version of yourself in Christ. He's, he goes, All right, you're going to face some trials. He's like, when you face trials, don't run from trials. See trials as the CrossFit of Christ likeness. It's the gymnasium. It's the the Pursuit 90. It's the workout gym. It's the playground for you to see your life before Christ. When when that person cuts you off, when that email comes in, when that family member sends that group text, when that coworker gets your job promotion, when your roommate steals your half-eaten Chipotle burrito, even though it's clearly labeled in your section of the fridge, not that that's specific, <laughs> not that that's happened to any one of us here, that we're still, those moments, that's the space for you to be transformed into Christ likeness. Use those, not just use them, consider it pure joy. Oh, really James? Yes. You'll have trials, you'll have temptations, there'll be moments in your life when you'll want to Opt out of living out of the character Christ has called you into. When you face those trials, resist the devil. Amen. See them as back doors into glory. And you're going to face obstacles. You're going to have obstacles in your life that prevent you from being your truest self. You're like, amen, that's all I know. <laughs> he names them right away. Anger. Anyone here deal with Anger. And just throw them up. Let's just be in a safe place. Is a little tree of trust here. Raise them up. <laughs> a little nest of vulnerability. If you want to become like Christ, you're going to have obstacles. One of those things will be your anger. Inappropriate anger needs to be part of the process you resolve so that you can reflect Christ wherever you go. He addresses this earlier. You're gonna have to live out your faith in a way that your actions prove the fruit of your faithfulness to Jesus. It's not just your words. It's not just what you think. It's not an intellectual concept that Jesus once lived and died on the cross. It's that your life reflects that reality by how you live with action or deeds. You will also have another obstacle, your tongue. James preaches itself. Like if, if I could, I would push the button play and we just listen to it. I can do this. And, and we would be convicted by just reading the text. And that's the reality of this book. This epistle is so practical. So we're gonna talk about the tongue today. Now, uh, let me just give you the ending, okay? Because this is what I discovered in this week's preparation. It, oh, man, the goal is transformation. If you wanna be like Christ, you, how many of you don't just need a couple of practices to get like Christ? You need a total renovation. Anyone wanna confess? Yeah, okay, we're in a good place. Dallas Willard says you need a renovation of the heart. We'll define that in a second. But you need an entire soul transformation, okay? That's extensive. The renovation of the heart, the reason Dallas says this is because he 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 says, I'm gonna summarize this book called The Renovation of the Heart. He says essentially that um, you as a human are made up of primarily spirit and physical body, your spirit and body. But there's three other dimensions to your soul. Um, you are a soul, you don't have a soul, so your soul has five dimensions, spirit, body, mind, emotions, and your co- relational capacity. The heart, is the center of your soul that integrates all of those things. You with me? This is his diagnosis. So a transformed heart is a transformed body, a transformed spirit, transformed relational capacity. This is what he gets at in the book. This is what James is going to teach us today. Ready? It's a life hack. It's a shortcut to that radical, completely renovated heart and life and soul. If you tame your tongue, you'll transform your heart. Tame the the tongue, transform the heart. This is James chapter three, verses one through 12. Let's read that together. You ready? Some of us are like, no, I'm not ready. One more thing before I jump in. When I say tongue, you say, no, I'm just kidding. Um... When I say tongue, here's what I want you to think about. When you think tongue, I don't just mean the body part. I want you to think of your speech, your words, your spoken words, maybe even your thought life for some of us, although it's probably your mind. But I want you to think of the ability to communicate. And that means your tweets, your texts, your emails emails, your posts, your DMs, your live streams, the, whatever it looks like for you to communicate something out. That's what I mean by tongue. You okay with that? Yeah. You're like, no, let's keep it to the body part. <laughs> you just nailed too much of my life in a, in a sentence. You tame the tongue. You transform your heart. James chapter three. read this with a smile on my face. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, but anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, whole, congruent, shalomed. I made that word up just go with it. It's good. It worked. Able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and it it itself is set on fire by hell. The word of the Lord. (laughs) we'll keep reading all kinds of animals birds reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind but no human being can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison Told you it preaches itself. Jesus, have mercy today. Have mercy on us for lots of reasons. Have mercy on us because we're already convicted. We don't need to go very far to recognize that we could easily stumble into shame right now. We wanna dismiss shame, it's the work of the enemy, and invite your conviction. Invite the energy from grace to change to hear your word and do it as James says, to be good soil as Jesus and James says, to be the kind of people that will bear good fruit from your word. Thank you for your written word. We love scripture. And however hard it is for us to hear, may we embody it in Jesus' name, amen. So real quick, Proverbs, the book of James is influenced by Proverbs. And if you read the book of Proverbs, amazing book, I highly recommend in your devotion as you read scripture every day, which we do read scripture, Every day, am I? Yes, I see some highlights. Like I see some uh, twitches going on. Yes, grab a Proverbs. There's 31. Grab the Proverbs. Read them every day. One every day. It's great. It's wisdom literature. But there are ma- one of the main themes of Proverbs has to do with a recognition that your language matters, your speech, your words, uh, your life. There's kind of a theme. It's either on a path towards life and wisdom and wholeness and blessing, or life that has lived on a path towards destruction, foolishness, folly. It's only two ways. There's no neutral ground in Proverbs, which I would say is accurate in the New Testament as well. You're either in the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of darkness. I'm just going to say that right now. You're either living towards wisdom or foolishness. Wisdom leads towards eternal life. Foolishness leads to death, destruction, and hell. Good? Let's keep going. Cool. I saw some jaws drop. That's fact. That's I'm just going to give you truth. Google it. They'll give you some options. I'm going to tell you the truth. Here we go. The point I want to make is a huge theme in the book of Proverbs is that you need as a wise person to recognize the power of your tongue. Just a couple of proverbs to give you a perspective. I want to make a point I want to make a point about the power of your words, okay? Let me just say this. Get out of the way. I'm going to skip ahead if you're doing slides. James chapter 3, verse 1 talks about not being, uh, don't be quick to teach. There shouldn't be many teachers. Now, the context of which James writes this is very specific to the Jewish community of believers. They, uh, they, they, they saw rabbis as kind of the highest status in the Jewish community. They were, rabbis were teachers. They were called teachers. And in the Jewish, the messianic community, these Christians who believe in Jesus as the Messiah who come from a Jewish background, which is what James is, who James is writing to, you have a bunch of people who jumped into being teachers quickly for the status. I know we don't struggle with this. They want the privilege of status and reputation of being that role without the character or morality and ethics to accompany it. How many of you know this is a problem in the church? We put ourselves in a position, whether teacher or standing on the stage or whatever, and our life doesn't reflect what we say. James doesn't just say that's bad. He says you'll be judged more strictly. I'm going to talk about judgment today. I'm gonna talk about what Jesus says about judgment. Why am I why is this so important? Because there is a direct correlation between your words and your heart. There is an undeniable connection between the two. So I want to show you first with an overwhelming evidence of scripture, the power of your words. So at the very least, even if you don't hear anything else, you realize. Your words matter. Let me just say this on the side, pastorally. So many in our congregation are people of influence. You have, what do I mean? Oh, like what, you're an influencer. That's not what I mean. I don't mean you're like a TikTok influencer or a YouTube star. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you, we have those, but you influence other people's lives. You're in relationship to people. They look to you for things. This message, perhaps more than so many, has a direct correlation for the the investment, the intentionality of your words in those people's lives. Wait for it. But I want to show you the power the scripture holds with your words. So let's just read a couple of texts. You guys good? Is that all right? I feel like I'm losing you folks. I don't know what to say. No, it's cool. That's just me. It's cool. I believe you. I believe you. Blah, 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 blah. With their mouth, the godless destroy their neighbors. But through knowledge, the righteous escape. Proverbs 12, 6 says, the words of the wicked lie in wait for the blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. Wow. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 14, three, a fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. Proverbs 15, the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. And perhaps the theme of Proverbs, verse uh, Proverbs eighteen twenty: from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with the harvest of their lips. They are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. There it is. The tongue has the power of life and death. How many of you, when you were growing up, heard some really discouraging words? And those words are still in the front of your mind today, 30 years later. 20 years later, how many of you had a loved one, a father, a mom, an older sibling speak words over you at a time where you're vulnerable and those seeds were planted and the harvest of destruction is still happening today. It produced a life of insecurity, a life of anger, a life of resistance towards intimacy and vulnerability, a life of inadequacy, a life of fear. How many of you know that words can destroy life? Words can bring death. Anyone wanna talk about that? Anyone wanna talk about the words that strangers in high school spoke over you to where you questioned whether or not you should live? That when you looked in the mirror, you saw nothing but um, ugliness and hate. And you thought, this would be better dead than alive. That's my story. Words, I don't care what you say, sticks and stones, words can kill you. Words have the power to destroy life. And in the opposite, they have the power to bring life. It says in Genesis one that God spoke, and universes were created. Atoms, quarks, biology—things that I still don't understand. Trigonometry. <laughs> <laughs> My son, who's nine, was like, "What? Tell me, like, what's the hardest?" I'm like, "Let's just look up a trigonometry equ- equation." I just give me a tri- Google or Siri, bring up a trigonometry. He's like, "What are these words?" I'm like, "I have no idea." <laughs> God speaks, worlds are created. Jesus is the Word. Jesus speaks, bodies are healed. Prophecy in the church is speaking truth in a way that builds up, strengthens, encourages, releases people into their destiny. Life. James warns us about our tongues. Proverbs warns you that there is a way towards life and there's a way towards destruction and it's your mouth, your words, your tweets, your responses, your DMs, they matter. He uses this example over and over again. I don't need to reiterate it. Horses, ships, and fire. We get the point, right? But this idea that your mouth is a fire set ablaze from the bowels of hell, ah. That's scary, for sure. I'm not going to deny that. The point he's making is that there's a mysterious, undeniable connection between your tongue and your heart. There's an undeniable connection between your tongue, your words, the things you say, and the things that are inside of you. So just pause for a moment. Actually, we'll pause and we'll, I'm going to read the scripture before. Okay, hold on. Um, Isaiah chapter 29, I'm just going to make this point with a couple of passages. Isaiah 29, 13, listen to this, ready? The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their, they worship, Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Isaiah condemns the people of God in his time as a prophet and he uses this language where they sing. He says, look, this is what God has against you. You sing songs with your words, but your hearts are disconnected from the song. They get judged for hypocrisy, saying one thing and believing, feeling, living in another way and the people of God are judged for their hypocrisy. Words matter. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says this to the Pharisees. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good or make a tree bad and its fruit will be, good, uh, will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. So he says essentially to leaders in, in, the, uh, in the Jewish community, the Pharisees, he's confronting them but it's also instructions for us as followers of Jesus. How will we know you're a Christian? I said a prayer once and I live my life. No. Yeah, you, you're saved by grace. You're justified by your faith in Christ. There's nothing you could do to earn it. But he says that you will know them by their fruit. Not what they say about the fruit they've embodied, but what it looks like from the outside. Matthew 25 says, at the end, there will be a great separation that takes place. Sheep over here, goats over here. You don't need to be very smart to recognize a goat from a sheep. If I were to put up pictures without a whole like, if you didn't spend any time on a farm, you you would know. My kids could figure it out. What's the point? It's observable. You can see it by. Don't tell me you're generous. Live generously. This goes in every aspect of your existence. That the things that you confess about the resurrected Christ need to make root in the soul of your life so that when you're driving, your reactions and responses are like Jesus, where you don't have to think about it. This is what he's saying, your words are and your hearts are congruent. Your words matter. Jesus says, you'll know them by the fruit. And then he goes on there. He says, you brood of vipers, which was his favorite phrase for the Pharisees. It's pretty intense. How can you who are evil say anything good for the mouth? Listen to this. Listen to this. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Can we talk about stored up in him or stored up in her for a moment? If you were to take an audit, would you, this is what I said, pause. Can we pause for a moment? Just close your eyes if that would help you. Take an audit of all the things you stored up in your soul this week. So what do I mean by that? I want you to, in your head, go down the list of all the content, information, words, images, all the mindless, scrolling, consuming things that you digested from your eyes and ears and the things you watch, the things you stream, the things you scrolled through. What got inside of you today what got inside of you this week, how much of that stuff is good or useful? Man, this sounds like a fundamentalist talking right now. I want you to think about this practically with the amount that never in history have we had more access to content. How many podcasts can you listen to at 2.0 speed? How many books do you listen to on the treadmill at 2.0 Audible on steroids? How, many, how much mindless scrolling? How many cat memes can you laugh at? Zero. <laughs> I, see you. I see you. Dog memes for the rest of eternity. I got you. I see you. I see you. God's favorite animal. Noah took four of those ones for sure. Cats snuck on. (laughs) How'd you get in here, Noah said. (laughs) Terrible dad jokes, terrible pastor jokes. Ah, what's stored up in you? Is it good? So no surprise when you're consuming the world's media of anxiety and fear, that when it comes in a moment of anxiety for you, fear, anger, outrage. When you're reading the comments, and you just keep, oh, this, this guy's nuts. Look at these. and you gotta just say the thing to defend all that is true in this world, and I know if I just write the perfect tweet back, they will repent and come to know the truth, and they will be set free. No, nah, it doesn't work that way. Jesus says, Your words reveal your heart, the things that are stored up. But he goes on in verse 36 and he says, I tell you that everyone will have to give an account, give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken for by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. That doesn't sound very nice, Jesus. <laughs> Romans talks about it. First Corinthians talks about it. First Peter talks about it. Ephesians talks about it. Revelation talks about it. You're gonna give an account as a Christian for your life. Second judgment. First, are you saved? We don't have that in Christ. We've been saved through the blood of Jesus. The next one is giving an account for the life we lived with the opportunities we had here, giving an account for the things we learned, we know this is why James is like don't teach. With great knowledge comes, or great power comes with great responsibility. I just watched that Spider-Man with Ezra. He's like, "There's other Spider-Mans." <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, yes. <laughs> Who's Toby Maguire? <laughs> That old guy? Oh, what's going on? We got Dylan walking in right here. Hi, D. First kid dedicated in our church. She's going to be a sophomore. She's sitting up here. I'm like, I'm old. (laughs) Sophomore? That was a baby. You're going to be judged. You're going to give an account. Peter talks about... There's a time where everything in our life will be revealed through what he calls refining fire, and there are things in your life that will just go away, and it'll, they'll be just none of this mattered. Think about that. All these things that you said, missed opportunities. I don't think it will be in my. This is my imagination. Okay, so this is me. Not this isn't the Bible saying. This is Pat Darren. Processing what I think, like, I'm gonna go. Like, Jesus, is like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. It's gonna be amazing. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I got my crown, I'm gonna give it back. Like, okay, cool. Like, people are singing over there. He's like, you don't have to do you just come with me. We're gonna hang out, we'll build some stuff and new creation. Like, look at all this cool stuff. Yeah. And then he's gonna show me, like, my mansion. I'm gonna like, have this mansion there. And then he's gonna be like, there's this whole other wing that you missed. I don't think it'll be shameful. It would just be the recognition that I didn't make the most of every opportunity. All these words you spoke over my daughter, your wife, that were I gave to you to steward her on behalf of me, to cleanse her with the washing of the word, to make her spotless—that was your task as the husband, by the way. But uh, he just throws out the list. <laughs> He's like, yeah, um, yeah, you messed up there. <laughs> I think that's what he's getting at, right? That's just my imagination. Are you okay with that? Don't make like, don't email me on that, all right? Just leave that one. <laughs> it's like, Darren, Darren's freaking weird, long list. Your words matter. They're connected to your heart. You will be judged based on the things you say. One more thing that I find is fascinating. Is this counting down? Okay, yeah, it is. Dang it. Okay. Um, what time did you start that timer? Just so I know. 35 or 40? For, 45. Don't lie to me. 45. Oh, you are blessed. <coughs> There's this passage in Isaiah. I want to just make one more connection. Isaiah 6. Go there. Verse 1. Uh, hopefully you have your Bibles. Otherwise, go there on your device and... Isaiah 6, there's this amazing, I just want to read it together because I was like, I got to just include it. It doesn't fully like align, but I'm like, I just want to read it because if anything, like what I have to say is cool, but the word that we read together is far more important. And this is an encounter that Isaiah the prophet has, right? And so let's read his encounter. I want you to pay attention to what he says because there's something stuck out to me this week when I was reading it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The little tassel on the robe just filled the whole thing. Oh, it's almost like this whole thing that we are commanded to construct to worship God, and we think his presence, it's like the little tassel, like the thread off my shoe filled the temple. That is a vision. Above him were, the, uh, were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook. The temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. Listen to what he says. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I'm unholy, I'm in the presence of God and I'm not worthy, my life, my thoughts, my actions, my behaviors, the way I talk to my kids, my spouse, my roommate back when he stole my burrito, the way I was on the freeway, I am clearly not worthy to be in the scene. I'm unworthy. I'm, I have unclean lips. Not just that, I'm with a group of people and they're all like me and worse, especially this section and that section that's late. Just kidding. Just kidding. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth. And said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away from and your sin is atoned for. (sighs) Confess your lust. Confess your behavior. Confess your thoughts. Confess the addiction to alcohol. Confess your conviction to pornography. Confess the way you talk to your spouse, your kids. No, no, no. Lips touched, cleansed. There's a direct connection to your words, to your tongue and the whole being of your soul. Do you see it? Your words matter. Your texts, your tweets, your DMs, your emails, your phone calls, your Voxers, your Marco Polos, your Facebook posts, your social media, all of it matters. Because in that, reflects something else going on. A deeper, mysterious thing that is who you are. And James says, there's life and death in your words. It's about life or death, no neutral. There's no neutral ground here. Jesus says, you're storing up inside things inside of you. And the things that you store up for, the things that you consume are going to come out. It's like a riptide. That water's coming in, it's gonna go out. Big surprise when the current takes you out. All this energy is coming in. It's got to go somewhere. It will come out. And how does it come out? Through your words. James says, if you tame your tongue, your heart will be transformed. And if you transform your heart, if your heart is transformed, your tongue will be tame. There is a direct connection between the words you speak and the heart inside of you. Dallas Willard says, according, he says this accordingly, the greatest need you and I have, the greatest need of collective. Humanity, that's a big statement. Pause right there. The greatest need you have, the greatest need as a society of humans we have is a renovated or the renovation of our heart. I have a lot of other problems in my life. I don't think heart. But he says, He says that spiritual place within us from which outlook, choices, and actions come has been formed by the world away from God, now it must be transformed. His whole book, Renovation of the Heart, which I highly recommend, is the uh, the practice of transformation. What does that look like? And so for us, when we talk about the heart, we're talking about the real issues you face in this world that are apart from God. If you want a life hack, you want to become the person that asks in Jesus' name and it's yes and amen, try to tame your tongue. That's what James is saying. You guys good? So, how do we tame our tongue? As Christians, your words reflect your faith, and your faith is reflected in how you speak. So this is what James is getting at. Like, remember the whole book, like how you live your deeds, how you speak reflects the confession that Jesus is Lord. Okay, so we're good on that. So how then do your words, well, one, how are you doing with that? How are you doing with Your texts and emails and phone calls and tweets and posts and comments, do they reflect the resurrection of Christ? This is now where we get practically. If you're part of the garden, I'm calling you into this. You good? If you're not part of the garden, you're free, okay? Just be free. You don't have the burden. (laughs) If you're not a believer, this isn't for you. If you're looking for Jesus, you're like, dang, this is tough. You're talking about tweets and texts as a, as a reflection of my innermost being i didn't think jesus wanted my tweets and texts he wants everything and james is saying if you want to live whole the 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 uh, christ the word the gospel is going to saturate the deepest layers of your being we're going to get at your adam's quirks We're gonna get at at your attitude, your intentions, your heart, your vision, your the way you talk, the way you think, the way you feel. That's where this message goes. It It doesn't just sit on the practices. It doesn't just sit on Sunday morning. It gets to the late at night on Saturday. That's where the message of Jesus needs to permeate inside of you. Are you guys okay? So how? Well, I'm just gonna tell you, from this point forward as a follower, you speak to build. I'm gonna make sense of this in a second. I I was trying to process, how do we tame our tongue? How do we practically tame our tongue? Because this is a tough one for me. This is a tough one because I I can be really good on a stage. I can be really good when I have to perform to like a, a leadership group. Like us pastors that speak regularly, it's really easy to hide in the things we know. I'm just confessing, this is great, right? This is so great. Like I was driving Friday, I was driving my van, and somebody in my household that can drive, um, (laughs) I'm not going to name anyone, drove it last and the mirrors were in and I didn't adjust it, which was, it's clearly my fault. I did not adjust it before, like a good driver. And I got, there's a bus stopped and I was driving over and I did not see the car, the, the big truck. He let me know I didn't see. Like, I mean, as animated, as physical with his gestures, his verbal. I, I mean, I couldn't hear per se, but I could see him shouting. It seemed like he was shouting really mad, and, you know, I'm not, I, I do react not at those things ever, really. Um, but this message is in my heart. I'm like, man, I definitely blew that one. He's really upset. This is where, you know, and then luckily he, I got behind him and I was, we actually turned down the small street and I was, I was like, whoa, I'm going the same place. He's going, uh-oh. And then, which is church, just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> and he was, he was so mad and... And then he parks, and I'm like, I still got to go. And it's like this tiny street, and I was going to go park a couple blocks or a couple spots away. And I just stop and I roll down the window and I engage. I love engaging. I, Alex hates that I love engaging. She's like, leave it. Like, uh, someone's fighting on our street. We have some issue, you know, different peop- people, and they're arguing. I'm at night, I'm, like, I'm going go inter- to resolve their marital conflict. Let's go. <laughs> I was made for this. I run towards danger, babe. I can't help it. It's this masculine thing. I don't know. Maybe it's not a masculine. Maybe it's just a personal thing. But this is how I was raised. I ra- I run to the crisis. Yeah. Yeah. I engage when someone wants to throw me fingers. I rolled down the window. I was like, hey, I just want you to know, I'm so sorry. I did not see you. It was a complete accident. I almost hit you. I apologize for making that mistake. Please forgive me. T like comes right up to my window. He's like, no, no, no. I'm so sorry. I should not have reacted that way. I was heated, and I'm, I'm so sorry that I did that to you. I'm like, brother, it's all good. Go in peace. Fist bump. Went on. <laughs> Fist bump, bro. So, see you. <sighs> I can take you. No. There's a way of living in the world Wherever you go, the countenance, the disposition, the beliefs, your behavior, your tone changes the atmosphere. It takes humility to say, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Some of you are like, I just want my wife to do that once, like for the love. She's never going to do it. Just leave it alone. Bury that passage. 521, Ephesians 521 doesn't exist in your mind, okay? Read it later. Um, It's wives, submit to your husbands. But anyways, keep going. Pastor Bill told me that he's like Darren. You're marrying Alex. Ephesians 5:21 does not exist to you. This is a fiery woman from the Lord, and your task is not to let her to worry about her submission, but to love her in death of life. Oh, Bill! It's great advice. Um, Again, you can you can believe things and not live them out. because I just printed 521 everywhere in our house. It's like, she opened her coffee mug. Co- 521, submit to your husband, ask the Lord. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just a tattoo right here. It's an eye level. <laughs> She's short. <laughs> she is. She's, I'm a good foot taller than her. All right. I don't know why I got off subject. Point is, we got to speak. To build, right? So I'm gonna define that in a second, but let's start with this. I'm gonna give you real practical. We got time, let's do this. Number one, how do you tame your tongue? I'm gonna to give you some steps. I never have steps, I got steps for you. Here we go. Number one, dedicate your tongue to the Lord. Dedicate your speech, dedicate your text, dedicate your emails, dedicate your direct messaging, dedicate all the verbal things to the Lord as a tool for His purpose. If it's true, you'll be judged. You better be careful. And you'll be like, I didn't mean to send that text. You can't erase that one. Romans 6.13, listen to what Paul says. He says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. So this is practical today, tonight, tomorrow morning. I want you to go before the Lord in your quiet time because we all have quiet time every day. Just making assumptions. When you have quiet time tomorrow morning, when you read scripture and bring your worship to Lord and you bring your adoration and affections to Jesus who lived and died and raised from the dead, I want you to present your body to him as an instrument. And I don't want you to be general. I want you to be specific. Lord, I dedicate my eyes to you. Whatever I see may glorify you. And if it comes in, may you stop it from dishonoring you. I want my imagination, my mind to be filled with your thoughts. I want to think your thoughts, Jesus. I want to know your thoughts through the Spirit. So anything that comes in that's not of you, would you let me have no thought that I don't take captive? I want to dedicate what I hear to you, what I say. May my mouth be an instrument of righteousness. Go down the rest of your body. My toes, my ankle, the other body parts. May they also be instruments of righteousness to the Lord. This is a very practical thing that you can do for those of you struggling with any form of you know, uh, sexual addiction. Uh, just imagine your imagination, your hands, your body parts being dedicated as instruments of righteousness. So, wow, that's pretty intense. But yes, that's the Bible, Romans. There you go. Number one is to de- see it as a dedication. You're consecrating your words. Number two, invite the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to align your words with his heart. This is Psalm 19. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Allow the Holy Spirit to animate your voice. Number three, And this starts today is repent from unloving speech. This is just preparing us to speak to Bill. Number one, dedicate your tongue to the Lord. Number two, ask the spirit to give you the words, to fill your mouth, to let your mouth align with his heart. And number three, repent from all the unloving speech that you have participated in. Ephesians says, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Paul tells the church, hey, that foolish talking, that coarse joking, that cussing. I don't know if cussing's all cussing's a sin, some of it is. Gossip, slander. Sometimes that word might be the most appropriate word to use in that moment. I'm just saying. But as long as your heart is intended, it's not going to cause sin. But that's a whole other conversation. Let's keep moving on. I'm going to lose all of you, church go- folks, that are like, we don't ever say it. Okay, moving on. Matthew chapter five, there's a curse word in there. Okay, 522, read it. Here we go. Course joking, gossip, exaggeration, slander, lies, unnecessary criticism or complaining in general, I'm just gonna say. are like, oh, you got me on complaining. I know I did. <laughs> Culture of heaven doesn't complain. Why? Oh, your expectations aren't met? Most of them, I complain a lot. My wife confronts us all the time. I'm like at the beach on Father's Day, surfing, the waves aren't very good and it's cold. All my friends, she got food. She made me this charcuterie board. I'm like, just preach my heart out. You know, all my friends, my kids are in their wetsuits. They're out there surfing. They're not eating the sand or dying, you know, in the water, which is what happens when they're little. Like you go, there's this time period where parenting is just keeping your kids from death. And it's so hard. You're like, when will the beach be fun? Never. No, it will. When will it be a vacation again? It will eventually. All you parents bouncing kids in the back, I see you. There's hope. It's coming around age five. Um, I'm just, my heart... What the heck is going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. I live with a culture of an expectation that is unrealistic. With my kids, with my friends, with our church leadership. Everyone knows it on staff. Yes, Darren, amen. And I regularly have to confront this because it's not always the Lord's. And as a result of this, what do I do? I just complain, which is a mindset of constant nitpicking and critique, and then my whole disposition's off. If I were to, like, Alex, she's like, what are you doing? Like, who cares about the surf? Look it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like blinders come on. Complaining puts blinders on you. So let me just say, repent. 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 Change your mind. Turn around. Change directions. No more unloving speech. No more texts that are Passive. No more comments that are slighted. No more saying things without the love of God exuding your mouth. That's what we're getting off at. So then, what do we do? We speak to build. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Listen to this. Paul says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but Only what is helpful for building others up according to your needs. No, according to their needs, that it may benefit you. No, that it may benefit those who listen. When we engage with one another, only speak in a way that builds others up based on what they need. They need to hear my truth. No, they don't. Well, if they would just do it the way I've done it, they, and I could tell them how to do their life better than they're doing it, I'm wise. How we doing? Do you see how that, this unleashes unbelievable amount of potential and purpose in your life? You're walking around every moment of the day going, how can I participate in the language of heaven?" which is bringing people into their destiny, their calling, their true identity, loving, gracious, kind, generous, overflowing with grace. Now you're a mouthpiece of heaven. Speaking to bill. Romans 15:1 through two says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. whoa, whoa, whoa. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. How do we interact with each other? Those of us who are strong. So this is, you got to identify this one in yourself. You use your strength, your wisdom, your knowledge, your experience, your history, your age, your life stage, for the purpose of telling people what to do, dropping those 140 characters, now you can have more if you have the blue check, uh, tweets or coming under to lift them up. So now everywhere you go, your task in the community of God and outside is to be someone who uses what you have for the purpose of strengthening and building. I have other texts in here, but let's just move on for the sake of time. So we are gonna speak our words. We're gonna allow our tongues to be the space of life-giving, strengthening, comforting, encouraging, and empowering others. This is the, this is the framework we wanna walk through. So how do we speak to build? I am gonna give you real practical things and then we'll end. Number one, what do we do to tame our tongues? We slow down our speech be slow to speak. How many of you know that that will solve a lot of conflict in your relationships? If you were to just wait until they completed a thought and when they're done speaking, you don't immediately jump in. You just give space. You know, the Hebrew uh, community, the Jewish community, when they read the Torah, the written word that they're in their minds, that the space between the letters also had divine inspiration and power. We need to slow down our speaking. If you slow down your speaking, I guarantee the conflict that you have, the issues with your responses, your body will calm down physically. You'll be in a less reactive state. So you won't put your foot in your mouth and you will remember what Pastor Darren said today that you will be judged. So slow down your speech. Number two, speak with restraint. Use less words. Maybe you don't even need to say anything. They're coming at me online. You don't need to defend yourself. Truth defends itself. You don't have to defend your reputation. God will defend your reputation. Number three, speak with reverence. This is a new one for me. I really believe Jesus means what he says. We're going to be judged for every word we speak, empty word. So I want to speak now with reverence. That if God creates worlds with his language, with his words, and I can use my language for life or death, I want to make sure I'm using it for life. So let's have a holy sense of fear of God in the things that we say. Number four, this is a real practical, speak with kindness. I think Jesus was probably one of the most kind persons to ever walk the planet. Like I've been in ministry for 14 years, so he only did it for three um, I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> Full of them today. No, I think Jesus, you watch him, he was never in a hurry. He was always patient. He was relaxed, as Dallas Willard would say. He was calm. Um, he, he would have space to be interrupted. Um, but I think his tone was kind. I think he had a kindness. Even the translation, like when he asked the question to his disciples, like, uh, why do, don't you have any faith? Like where's your faith? He says that over and over again in different in the Gospels, and it's a it's a phrase that's made up. Can't find it anywhere on the Greek, uh, other Greek writings, because it's actually better translated like you of li- uh, you little faiths. It's like a nickname, a pet name, like oh you little faiths. It's an endearing word. It's not a judgment. Where's your faith? It's literally a nickname Jesus made up for his disciples, little faiths. Doesn't that change the tone? When you think of Jesus, I think of him. So imagine if you were confronted with the hostile person driving by the grace of God because of the word planted in me this week, I did not have any other reaction other than genuine kindness. That is a rarity for me. Move towards kindness. Tone matters. Body language matters. Just slow it down. Speak with restraint, have reverence in your words, speak with kindness, and lastly, your filter from this day forward is is what I'm about to say, tweet, text, email, response. Will it build them up, encourage them, or strengthen them? I want you to speak to encourage. This is the language of the kingdom. If you were just to look outside, the world is suffering with complaint and critique. There's so much out there, experts, Everywhere. Everyone thinks that their thoughts matter more than anyone else's thoughts. Their feelings are the most important. We broadcast them globally. It's absolutely bonkers out there. Imagine if the church only said what they really believed and their life shows and their life is evidence of what they say. That we're not hypocrites. That people will look at us and go, When they speak, I feel truth. I feel encouraged. I feel a genuineness, an authenticity, a kindness, not their judgmental and anti-everything. Their words reflect the culture of heaven. This is what I want you to do. So good luck. (laughs) Can we pray? All right, let's pray. Can you just stay seated for a moment, actually? Maybe just reflect. Holy Spirit, would you just create some space of silence right now in us to... uh, Just give us what we need. May we see the weight and power of our position, and may you shift our mindset towards holiness and reverence. Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening for more information please visit garden.church